this is a fantastic place to be, is it not? Okay, there are trees and there's fresh air. I would love to plant myself in one of those log chairs. This location is a place far better than the place I have felt planted lately. The fit place I have felt planted lately, the fast food drive-through lane. So the title for tonight's message is, we're going to do Ready, Set, Glow. And on Friday night, if you get out your, your booklets or not, no judgment. Um, we started with G, God as light, and all the characteristics that we looked up about light and how our hard stories can be used by others to, or used by God to light the way for others, to see where they are going. And then this morning, we had the L, la, 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 light illuminates everybody's hearts but mine, right? Not my heart, someone else's heart over here. No, whose hearts? Our, everybody's heart, the light that we have inside is, yes, about the gospel of Jesus. It's about telling people about Jesus. It's about loving other people. But it's also about all of those dark things that we hide, that we need to let Jesus shine the light on. Tonight, we are, oh, 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 oh. Our hope and trust is in Jesus. And that is the title for our message tonight. Uh, our hope and trust is in Jesus. But my original title for this message, where is my hope and trust in Jesus when I'm stranded in the drive-through like I've been so often? Have, have you been through a fast food drive-through ever? Do we have some people who might have gone through the fast food drive-through. It is, it is normally, typically, a very efficient uh, way of getting your food. You uh, generally, you order the food and you pick it up. You might have to navigate the zipper protocol. Zipper protocol is when there are two order kiosks. And you, one car orders, moves forward. The second car orders, moves forward merge, pay, pick up, have a nice day. Zipper protocol, very important to the to survival of our civilization. And if I could crown myself with a title, I would crown myself queen of the drive-through. So we've talked about uh, my son on the autism spectrum, and he likes routine and schedule. How many of us, though, honestly, thrive in a routine and schedule? How many of us enjoy that? Fantastic. We have an, a saying in our house, we all have special needs. Some of us are just better at hiding it than others. I'll let you think about that. So, 
part of his schedule is to go through the drive through of a particular restaurant. And yes, it has to be the drive through And we go through the drive through to get two fries and a soda. And this happens on particular days of the week. It happens on Monday, it happens on Wednesday, and it happens on... No, Friday's Target. <laughs> it's sad. Somebody, yeah, somebody knows me in here. They're like, it's Saturday. That's right. It is Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and Friday is Target. Um, uh, and we have, and I am embarrassed to say we have done this for more than a few years. Conservatively, I'd say we've gone through this particular drive through 1,136 times. Please do not put a cash value on that. My banker husband, who's good with the math's head would explode if he actually thought about that. But I've been through this drive through more than a few times, hence wanting to be crowned queen of the drive through It is generally a trustworthy experience. It is generally something predictable, but time travel, if you will, with me to a Saturday in February. We are in our, my son and I are in our regular fast food drive through line. It's a little backed up because it's noon, right? So I just decide I'm going to go to the left. I know this is your right, this is my left, you're just going to have to get over it, okay? We just go to the left. And the car over here is in the right-hand lane. So the car in front of me orders, moves forward. The car on the right orders, moves forward. But there's a little bit of a backup at the pay window or the pickup window. I find that to be a lag in French fry production, FYI. So it's maybe 40 seconds. And the car on the left moves forward, car on the right forward, merge. I move forward, and so does the car on the right. And you wait to hear the voice come through the order kiosk. And I hear, I hear the, or, the voice come through the order kiosk, welcome to blah, blah, blah. Can I take your order? But it was on the right side, order kiosk. Now, you might have missed it. It was my turn in the order kiosk. But it's okay. Maybe they had a shift change. I'm full of Jesus. I'm good. So car on the right orders, pulls forward, and I wait to hear the voice come through the kiosk. And I do. I hear the voice from the kiosk but it comes from the right side order kiosk again. Welcome to blah, blah, blah. Can I take your order? Wait a minute. Wait. What, what is going on? I, I, I scooch forward in my, like I drive forward, like there's some kind of magic sensor that I haven't done. And then there's the, the camera up there. So I'm waving at the camera, thinking that that's going to do something. Car on the right orders, moves forward. Next car pulls in, and we wait to hear the voice coming from the order kiosk. And we do. We hear the voice from the order kiosk. 
from the right side order kiosk again. Welcome to blah, blah, blah. Can I take your order? Wait. Excuse me? And, and I would like to tell you that I said that in my head. <laughs> and I would also like to tell you I didn't roll down the passenger side window so that hopefully the voice could hear me or definitely all the cars with their windows open could hear me and my son saying, Mommy, loud! Yes. Yes. So, car orders, pulls forward. Next car pulls in and we wait. And we wait to hear the voice from the order kiosk. And we do hear the, order, the voice from the order kiosk, but we hear it from the right side of the order kiosk again. What is going on? On. I am starting to think I am never going to get two fries and a soda. Lady orders. She pulls forward. She waves to me and says, I'll tell them that you're waiting. Okay, so how many cars are we at at this point? We're four cars in. My anxiety level, a little, a little elevated. No, no bit. Just a little bit, right? This trustworthy procedure not working as planned. Definitely not what I had planned. Now, for the sake of authenticity, I'll tell you what happened. Because it's not a proud moment. I got out of my truck. <laughs> and then like, I don't know if it's good that you're clapping. I don't know. This crowd all of a sudden turned. I don't know. So the nice lady who waved to me, like she's not moving forward because I am walking in the drive-through lane. I walk up to the cashier. She seems genuinely surprised to see me. And I explain to her that she has taken the order of four cars on the right side when I have been waiting patient, no, patiently, patiently patient patiently that's what i needed to do in the left side drive through she apologizes profusely and says that she will take my order right away i walk back to my truck because ladies i have single-handedly saved civilization from crumbling i get in my truck Shut the door, and we wait for the voice to come through the order kiosk. And it came through the right side order kiosk again. Welcome to blah, blah, blah. Can I take your order? Five cars. I am starting to fear that I am never going to get two fries and a soda for my son. But we do. 
Five cars later, we placed our order, two fries and a soda come through the window into the hands of my 17-year-old, or sorry, at that point, 16-year-old son. Life does not always go the way we planned. Life does not always go as we expected. Sometimes the way we think it deserves to go. Tonight, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 5, which is the Beatitudes. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Thank you. A round of applause for those ladies. Thank you so much. Those are the Beatitudes. This is Jesus' first public teaching. This is his platform. This is the first thing that he wants everyone to know. The Beatitudes are promises, blessings, not at all what we expect. Wow. A guidance to live a commendable life in God's kingdom. She's in the advanced placement junior high class. She shouldn't be in my class. These are fantastic. So this is Jesus' first public teaching. When you have something to say, don't you say the first thing, the most important thing first, right? So as you read the Beatitudes, as I read the Beatitudes in in my teens and in my 20s and last week, I honestly, as I read this, wanted to skip this whole thing. Because poor in spirit, meek, mournful, those sound hard. They sound like hard stories. Um, no thank you. Beatitudes don't sound like winning. Beatitudes, Beatitudes don't sound like hashtag living my best life. Okay? The Beatitudes sound like the exact opposite of what the world is telling us is important. The Beatitudes are the exact opposite of what, I mean, quite frankly, a lot of things we hear in America are most important. Poor in spirit we glorify we glorify rich in pride mournful delightful no no i mean mournful no we are all about delight and celebrating and and partying meek ultimate power merciful 
pure in heart, peacemakers. I, there's, a, there's a famous saying, nice guys finish first, right? No, nice guys and women finish last. The Beatitudes don't sound like winning. Our hard stories don't sound like winning. So this morning when I started talking to you about our autism story, I mentioned that I was, I was angry with God. That is an understatement. I was furious with God. I was in a rage with God because my, our son, our family, myself, didn't deserve this hard story, this autism story, because I did all the Jesus things. Church attendance, check. Uh, volunteering, check. Bible study, check. Nice to people, can you give a half a check? I was nice to the people I liked. Can you, is there like a little lowercase? Yeah, probably not. I'm going to give myself a check anyway. Boop, anyway. Remember, disconnect with what I said I believed about God and what my behavior displayed I believed about God. All those shiny golden dreams, all those shiny golden idols, that I was chasing for my family, ideas of soccer games and people cheering and, and uh, academic awards and volunteering as a family and dressing and matching clothing and, you know, people thinking, wow, that family, they really have it all together, right? And graduations and weddings and, and independence, but of course still being close to the mama, all of those shiny dreams that I was chasing, all those shiny dreams that I was focused on, all of them died. And I was angry, furious. But underneath that furious, it was a bait and switch. Underneath that anger was actually fear. All the other hard stories that I had in my life, bad choices that I made in my 20s, I hear some people with amens on that. So bad choices that I made and the consequent, natural consequences for those choices, um, divorce, my father dying, um, more poor choices after that, all of those I powered through on my own strength and ability. I'm a firstborn, I'm a hard worker, I'm smart, I'm strong, I'm humble. I work the problem. And quite honestly, if you would have gotten in my way, I would have thrown you under the bus. And I'd double down if you crossed me. I knew how to win 
in a worldly way. And I was good at it. But this diagnosis, this autism diagnosis, this hard story didn't feel like something I could win. It felt hopeless. All those, all those other things that I had deemed important, all those shiny dreams that I was chasing, all of that success that I was chasing felt, I don't even know how to finish that sentence. Have you ever been in that place where what you've been chasing has gone and you don't know how to finish the sentence? So I raged at God for the better part of a year. Um, really, I, I raged at him, but I was ignoring him. Oh, don't get me wrong. I was still showing up in church. I'm still showing up in Bible study because I don't want people to know that I don't have my stuff together. Okay, But I am giving the silent treatment to God. All right. Junior high. Who remembers junior high? Okay, we don't want to, but we all remember it. For you, for some, you get mad at someone and you want to give them the silent treatment. For, the, for you to win at that particular game, they have to know that you're giving them the silent treatment. Otherwise, it doesn't make any difference. So I'm showing up in church. I'm doing all of my volunteering. I'm, I actually was in paid ministry at this point. So I'm doing all of these things so God can see that I'm giving him the silent treatment. Yeah, I'm brilliant. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm giving the silent treatment to an all-powerful, all-knowing God of all time. Hello? So one of the Bible studies that I was showing up in, but still ignoring God, was in the book of Romans. Romans is the New Testament. It's written around 57 A.D. after Christ has been uh, crucified, rose again. It is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the uh, small home churches in Rome who are being persecuted in some really horrific ways. They had a hard story. And I was loving that study of Romans because it was a familiar story to me. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that saving grace, that salvation that comes through him. But as I was studying in Romans and that familiar story of salvation, there was a piece in there that kicked me in the teeth. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, they have. Oh, wait, sorry. Wait. Yes, I have. Right? Romans 5, 8. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
God demonstrated his love for us not after we got our stuff together, but while we were in the middle of wallowing around in those choices. Right? Okay. While we were sinners. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is an eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We receive a free gift. We can't earn it. There's no drawing for it because my name wouldn't get drawn from that. It is a free gift. Nothing you can do to earn it. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Yes, 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 amen, all those things, they were all familiar to me. I understood that all of that was true. This was the trustworthy God that I knew. But in the middle of that Roman thread, you get Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our what? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces what? And that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts, our lamps, through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Rejoice in our sufferings. That seemed dumb. It seemed unrealistic. But the hope that doesn't put us to shame the American Standard Version, which is what I was using at that time, the hope that does not disappoint. I needed that. I needed that bad. And then you get to Romans 8. Romans 8! Thank you very much. Romans 8 broke open my heart. And I was finally ready to let the light of Jesus into those dark places. And I told you on Friday night we'd get to Romans 8. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read my, my favorite. This is my go-to verse. This is Romans 8, 38, and 39. For I am convinced that neither life, death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, not heights, nor deaths, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I lost it. I just, I, I ugly cried. Romans 8 is that place where that gap between what I said I believed about God and what I displayed I believed about God or my behavior displayed is where it really started to shake out because I am reading this and I'm thinking about suffering and the hope that doesn't disappoint and I realized finally that the love of God 
is not about winning. So when the good things that good things that would happen in my life, promotions at work, a nice house, clean bill of health, or if bad things happened, cancer, prodigal child, autism, speeding ticket, the love of God for me is the same. He doesn't love me more when I win the lottery and he doesn't show his love for me less when I'm stuck in the drive-through fast food lane. His love is the same. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God's love, the light poured into our hearts, our lamps. We just need to surrender all of those shiny golden dreams slash idols to him and realize that he is our hope. So the Beatitudes don't sound like winning. The Beatitudes sound like we are last. Autism felt like I was last. It felt like I was lost. It felt like I was left behind. But Jesus says in Matthew 20, 16, the last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus isn't about winning because he knows he already won. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you will have peace. In this world you'll have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus told stories throughout his ministry. He told stories about sheep and seeds and soil and fishing and building houses. He used stories that the people of that time would understand. He used relatable circumstances to teach people biblical truth. Ladies, we live in the real world with everybody else. And our hard stories, autism, cancer, depression, potty training. He can use those stories as relatable stories to others so they can see the light of Jesus. Real life is not an excuse to hide your light under a basket. Your horror story could be the relatable truth, the relatable light to someone else to see where they're going. Now, it took me 10 years to get up on a stage and talk about autism. It took me 10 years to be at a point where there was enough healing for me to be able to speak joy and love and peace of Jesus. 
because our hard stories, our hearts, they, they cut. They cut deep, and it hurts. But after a while, a scar starts to form. And, and that scar is, is still tender, and, and it catches on things. But that scar is a relatable story to someone else to see the light of Jesus, to help that next person know that there is joy at the end of this. Christianity is just one step at a time. Perhaps your first step tonight is deciding to ask Jesus to be the light in your heart. That Romans road that we went down, it, it tickled something in there. And you're ready to say, yes, Jesus. I know I'm a sinner and, and I need that free gift of your grace. Maybe your next step is recommitting to Jesus. It's been a while. You, you've, you've been giving him the silent treatment. It's okay. You're not the first one to give God the silent treatment. <laughs> Maybe, it's, maybe you're committing to reading your Bible daily or listening to your Bible. Maybe it's doing a Bible study. Uh, maybe it's a missions opportunity to go to Poland and help uh, Ukrainian refugees. I don't know why that had to be specific, but that was specific for someone in this room. Um, maybe you're just ready to stop hiding. Maybe you're, you've got a wound and you haven't told anybody that you have it. And it's okay to not be okay. You don't need to have a scar right away. It takes time for healing. Because in Romans 8, 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, and this is what I memorized, so neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor powers, not heights, not deaths, not autism, not disease, not broken relationships, not the pandemic, not, the, not mental health issues, not even a broken zipper protocol, not anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He was waiting for me. He's waiting for you, ladies. Much like I was waiting for two fries and a soda in the broken zipper protocol. And as I sat in that truck and watched how many cars that went, five cars go through that drive-through, that broken zipper protocol debacle, I was pretty sure that God was giving me a much, another, another, much, le much needed lesson in, oh, what do we say, patience? I apparently need to learn those quite frequently. Amen? Oh, good. I'm glad. But upon reflection, with that uh, exchange at blah, 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 it was not just about patience. It was about trust. Now, I had shared that my son has a certain routine. And part of that routine is a particular fast food restaurant 
on a particular, on those particular days of the week. We go on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. And where do we go Friday? Saturday. Like everybody else, I mean, whatever. So this was Saturday. On Monday, my son was expecting us to be in that exact same drive-through, ordering two fries and a soda. That drive-through, where civilization crumbled, and I was not loving it. <laughs> so the question of trust was, did I go back to that same drive-through on Monday? You guys are so sweet. I did not. <laughs> I stumbled in my trust. I stumbled in my faith at blah, blah, blah. But on Wednesday, after I had given it the silent treatment for one whole day, I was back in my regular location, placing, I did go to the right though. <laughs> so on Wednesday, I was back at that regular location, placing our regular order, and it went smoothly and trustworthy as it had repeatedly before, because after putting in 1,136 runs at this particular restaurant, no matter if the line was long or short, we always received our two fries and a soda. Okay, so I asked myself a deep spiritual question. Which has a higher level of trust in my life? The voice of the drive through kiosk or the voice of God, had I even put in 1,136 runs with God? I don't know what your next step is. That's between you and God. We started in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I'm going to read, and you can read along if you'd like, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. So after all that upside-down kingdom of mournful, being happy when you're mournful, happy when you're meek, happy when you're poor in spirit, Jesus finishes that section with this. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. This next part might sound a little familiar. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp Put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand. 
to give light to all that are in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works, not that you're saved by good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. <laughs> 